chapter 34. The book of Psalms chapter 34. Uh, I've been here before, but I'm going to preach this a different way. Psalms chapter 34. We're going to begin there in verse 1. I've entitled this message, The Lord is Good. Uh, and Kind of like what we've just uh, been singing about uh, here this evening, talking about how good God has been uh, and uh, just how much He provides for us and helps us every single day. Uh, his mercy, His grace, His love, uh, all these things. Man, we're just so, we're a needy people uh, and I need His love, I need His grace, I need His long-suffering, I, I need it all every day. Uh, and so I'm thankful for all of these things that these folks sing about tonight. Psalm chapter 34, we'll begin there in verse 1. Uh, I'm going to try to make my way down to about verse 9 tonight uh, as we talk about the Lord is good. Now when you think about the section where we're at uh, here this evening, you can probably jot your place down in your Bible uh, like around 1 Samuel chapter 21 verses 10 to 15 in the very beginning of 1 Samuel chapter 22, which is where we're going to see Psalm 34 kind of fit in. And the reason why I say that is because this psalm was written around the time uh, whenever uh, David he would, had been through a very difficult time, uh, probably one of the, maybe perhaps one of the, the very low moments of his life at this point, uh, at least, uh, and then he ran away and got to a cave. And while he was in this cave of Adulam, he was able to, he penned this psalm. Uh, and so that's where, that's where this, uh, this psalm comes in right here. Um, and you can kind of place that uh, there, in, uh, there in 1 Samuel 21, verses 10 to 15. And the very first part of uh, chapter 22 of 1 Samuel as well. But, one of the, but without going to 1 Samuel and getting into all of that, I will just kind of tell you this, what's going on. Of course, uh, David, uh, he, is, uh, he was on the run. He was on the run a lot there in the book of Samuel. He was uh, on the run from, uh, on the run from uh, King Saul. Uh, Saul was seeking his life. And so what he did was, was he had kind of went around to, to the other side. He was there with the Philistines. And as he was with those guys over there, uh, staying, uh, staying in Gath over there on that side... Uh, of course, there were some folks over there that really didn't think a whole lot of David. You know why? Because uh, they knew that he, had sl- he, he slew Goliath. And so there were some men over there that didn't really think a whole lot of David. Then there were some men over there that David was able to uh, make some friends with, but not everybody liked David too much. Uh, and here at this point where this psalm is going to be written, we're going to see that uh, David is in a place where there's some men that are gathered around him at this point, And they're looking at David and they're thinking, you know what? We don't really like this guy too much. He's the one they wrote all those songs about how... Uh, uh, you know, David, he, he, slew, he, he slew his uh, uh, thousand, ten thousands and ten thousands. And so they didn't really like the idea of, uh, of this guy being in their camp, the one that was guilty of, of killing so many of their people. Uh, and so they had this idea, like they were thinking, well, I think now we have our chance. We're just going to go ahead and get rid of David now. And so then David did something. He said, well, what did David do? Well, David kind of got out of character. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, let me th- well, not, not listen now. You can go back and look at it, 1 Samuel 20, uh, uh, 21, verse 10 to 15. You can go back and look at it later. Uh, but what we see David did was, was he found himself in a very difficult situation. And as he was in this difficult situation, we, we see that he began to, the Bible uh, kind of uh, shows us that he, he, in essence, he changed his behavior before all these men. And what exactly did he do? Well, this great king that we know about, now let's don't fault him for this. But this great king that we know about is King David. This man, he was a man after God's own heart. Of course, he was still young as well, still maturing in his faith. But, uh, but, uh, but we, he began to act in a way that would probably, uh, to some people, would probably look at him and think, wow, this guy's nuts. And that's exactly what he pulled off because that's exactly what they thought. 
they looked at David and they thought, man, this guy's crazy. This guy's insane. You say, well, what did David do? What did David do to make everybody think he was crazy? Well, the Bible teaches us there in 1 Samuel 21, verse 10 to 15, the Bible teaches us that, that what he began to do is he when, he, when they were all looking at him and thinking about, well, now we got this guy. We're not so sure if we really like him being around. He's killed a lot of our people. Let's maybe go ahead and kill him now. And while they were thinking about doing all this, David comes out and he begins to act like a mad animal clawing up against the post. Like he's crazy like, right? He's clawing up against this post. Not only that, the Bible says that he allowed spittle to roll down his face all down into his beard. So we got this guy, this great King David that we're thinking about. Here he is, he's about to die, so he does something. He says, well, I'm going to have to do something. I'm just going to have to make everybody think that I'm insane. So that's what he did. And he came out there and he started, he started clawing up against the doorpost like he was some crazy mad animal. He began, in essence, like foaming at the mouth and spittle was running out of his mouth and running down his beard. And everybody was looking at him thinking, man, this guy's nuts. They said, he's mad. We don't want this guy around us. And so what ended up happening was they left him alone. Isn't that something? They just kind of left him alone. They said, man, this guy's crazy. We don't need this guy around us. We don't want him around here. So they left him alone. You know what he did? He ran. He ran and he got in the cave. That's the very first part of 1 Samuel chapter 22. And he got in this cave, and him and his men. And he went and got in this cave. When he got in this cave, he started writing this, he started writing this psalm. So what I want you to see and understand tonight is we see David uh, still growing and maturing in his Christian faith, but... We also see David, here he was, he was probably at a low point in his life, and I imagine he was in that cave thinking to himself, I slew Goliath, I, I went out there and I faced Goliath, and I, and I fought all these battles, and I'm leading these men of 400 with me while, uh, while I'm uh, trying to fight off King Saul. And now here I am, finding myself clawing up against the doorpost, making everybody think that I'm insane, drooling at the mouth with spittle running down my face. Now here he was, he's probably looking at himself thinking, how in the world could I get myself into this kind of position? How in the world could I be this kind of person? Maybe kind of beating himself up a little bit, you know. But then he gets down here in this cave and he begins to do something. He actually begins to praise the Lord. Now he begins to do some things here in this psalm, I think, that we can kind of really learn a lot from tonight that I think can help you. And so what did he do while he was down in this cave? Well, let's take a look at it. When he got down in there, the Bible says in Psalm 34, verse 1, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You say, you mean he was praising the Lord? Yeah, he was praising the Lord. You know why, you know why he's praising the Lord? Because he's still alive. He's praising God because he's still alive. He's praising God that God, uh, uh, that God allowed him a place to escape, a place to go. Gave him a place of refuge. Him and all of his men, they all lived, they all made it. And so even though it was a very difficult time in his life, he was praising God that God gave him somewhere where he could, uh, where he could recover, where he could find rest, where he can uh, find uh, refreshness in his soul, so to speak. He really, really needed that. How many of you have ever been just in some difficult situations at times and you thought, man, I just need to run away and get out of here? And you got so thankful that God allowed a place where you could just kind of rest for a little while. And that's exactly what uh, that's exactly what happened here. He was praising the Lord that he actually had a place to go, a place where he could run to, a place that God provided. And so no matter what was going on in his life, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times, even when things were difficult, even when things are hard. He was, man, he was just praising God that he was alive, praising God for his goodness, praising God that there was a place for him to run. 
There in verse 2 he says, My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. And so in essence there in verse 2, just speaking of how grateful and thankful that he is and uh, that he has a God that he can turn to. Notice what he does there in verse 3. The Bible says, he says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So there is he's down there in that cave. Man, he tells all of his men, he says, Look, yes. Things haven't been the way we exactly want them to be. But you, and, and, and yes, things have been a little crazy, you know. And yes, I know I was acting out of sorts. He says, but look, man, look how God, look how good God's been in the midst of it all. He's gave us a place where we can run to. He's, he's gave us a place where we can go. Isn't he a present help in time of trouble? Amen. Of course he is. He is our refuge. He is our fortress. He's our shield, our high tower. He's our buckler. He is all those things in our life. And even though things were difficult and things weren't exactly the way that he would like for them to be, he rejoiced in the fact that he had a place where he can go. It wasn't a castle. It was a cave. But at least it was somewhere. Amen. It wasn't a castle. It was a cave. But at least it was somewhere, a place that God provided him and his men where they could go. And so he tells his men there in essence, verse 3, Oh, magnify the Lord. Now, if you magnify something, what do you do? You enlarge it, right? You make it bigger. He says, so this is what we need to do, man. We're going we're gonna to praise God and magnify him for giving us this cave that we can come in. Listen, sometimes we'll only magnify God if it's what we want. We'll only magnify God if it's only the way we like for them to be. We'll only magnify God if it's in our own comfort zone. But here he was magnifying God when he was in the cave, not the castle. Amen. He was magnifying God even when things weren't the way that he would desire for them to be in his life. Even in this cave, he says, men, there's one thing we got to do. is recognize God's power in this. Recognize God's deliverance in this. That God gave us at least a cave where we could go. Man, praise the Lord for that. All right. Let's uh, continue moving forward. And let's get into there in verse 3. Notice he says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Why exalt his name together? Because there is no, there is no other name that there is to be praised. Let us exalt his name, the name that is above every name. Let us exalt his name, and let's do it together. Not just me, but let's all be together unified in this. Verse 4, he says, I sought the Lord. Now notice he's going to get, he's there in verse 4. Notice how he starts getting down to the depths of his soul. Notice what he says. He says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. Man, praise God for that. You just think about that, just that part of the text. I sought the Lord and he heard me. The fact that even this cave that he could call out to God and God heard his voice. The fact that no matter where he was at, in a difficult time in life, in a stressful time in his life. How many have ever been stressed before? Been stressed out before? Yeah, figuring like, you know, you're thinking, I don't know how much more I can take. I think I'm fixing to break all these kinds of things. And there he is. He, he just, he, he, he escaped with his life, him and his men. And now here he is in a cave. But he's praising God for the cave he's in. He's praising God that God provided this place where he could be. Not it wasn't a castle, as I said. It wasn't, it, it, but but he was praising God for he was praising God for what God had provided. And there in verse three, he says, "We're going to magnify the Lord." And there in verse four, he says, "I sought the Lord, and He heard me." I'm thankful that out of the midst of this dark cave, out of the midst of, uh, and we'll, we'll even maybe perhaps even call it lonely because you know what? You can be lonely even though you're around hundreds of people. 
You can be lonely in the midst of a crowd. You know that? There'll be a lot of people around and you still feel like you're all alone. And there's, there's a lot of people that feel that way. Listen, I praise God tonight that David was able to find this place where he could, where he could uh, magnify God. And he said, you know what? In this place, in this dark place, in this damp place, in this, in, in this place that is not comfortable for me, I prayed and I sought the Lord. And out of this place where I'm at, he heard me. Aren't you glad that his hand is not short and that he cannot save? It don't matter where you're at down the depths of sin. Don't matter what size cave it is. Don't matter how far down it is. Don't matter how wide it is. Makes no difference at all. There's nowhere you can go and get out of the reach of our Savior. Amen? And so we can see here, there in verse 4, he says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. Now watch this now. Verse 4, he says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. Watch this now. He says, and delivered me from all my fears. Now think about this for a second. When you deliver something, what does um, the mailman do? We say they delivered the mail, right? UPS, they deliver the packages, all the Amazons. Yeah. How many of you got Amazons that come to your house a lot? Amen. 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 All right. They delivered the mail, they delivered the packages. Concentrate that on this verse right here. Let's read it again. He says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my tears, all my fears. So think about this. In the place where he was at, where he was fearful, he says, I was delivered. Now what does deliver mean? To pick something up, to carry it, and put it somewhere safe. So he was praising God. Because there was a moment, there were times in his life where he was fearful. When he was very afraid, and in that moment when he was very afraid, it was like he said, you know what? He says, God delivered me. In other words, God came over here to where I was at, because God knows where we are. Amen? He came over here to where I was at, and in essence, picked me up and delivered me. Because the mail don't get there by itself. Right? Someone has to take it. It has no power to move on its own. So God picks it up, picks us up, and delivers us. I can't. I get ready to get electrocuted here in a minute. I may need some deliverance here in a minute. And so he picks us up like a, a mother to a child or a father to his child and picks them up from a situation that is not looking good. And he picks them up and takes them and carries them away. Because isn't that what you do with the mail? Isn't that what you do with the package? You pick it up and you carry it. And that's what he's saying, in essence, God did for me. He came to me where I was in this, in this dark, desolate situation. He came to me. And when he came to me, he in essence, he picked me up and he delivered me out of that situation. He wrapped me up in his arms and he carried me away to a safe place, a place where I didn't have to fear any longer. Man, that's good stuff. Man, praise God for that. Praise God for, the, for his deliverance that he gave for David. But listen, not just for David. But you've been around live long enough just as I have. In your Christian life, well, I'm sure perhaps once or twice or maybe more, that you've seen and witnessed God deliver you from some things. Where in essence, when you were afraid, you didn't know what to do, and you didn't know who to turn to, and God in essence kind of came down as you were praying and lifting up your voice out of the depths. And God came to where you were, 
And he wrapped you up and he picked you up and he carried you away over to a, over to a safe place. How many have ever been praying? And man, it just seemed like God just wrapped his arms around you and just kind of let you know, man, it's going to be okay. I got this. It's going to be all right. David says, there in the text, verse 4, he says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from some of my fears. No, he says, from all of them. From all of my fears. He picked me up. He delivered me from all of my fears. Every single one. All the things that I were afraid of. He didn't leave me behind for anything. No, but he delivered me from those fears. There in verse 5, he notice he turns, he, he starts to think about uh, all the men that are with him. Those 400 men that, that, were, that were with him. He says there in verse 5, he says, they. Those men, they. Notice what they did. They looked unto him. Who's him? Talking about God. They looked unto him, and notice what happened. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. You know what we see there in verse 5? We see the fact, because you know what? It makes a difference where you look. It makes a big difference where you look. Ask Peter, right? Ask Peter. It makes a difference where you look. When he took his eyes off Christ, what did he do? He started to sink. But when he kept his eyes on Jesus, everything was fine. He was walking on the sea, doing what nobody else had ever done, walking on the water, as long as his mind was fixed and focused on Christ. But when he took his mind off of the Lord, when he took his eyes off the Lord, he started looking around at everything else. The Bible says that he began to seek and he called out, God, save me. Here in the text we can see that there in verse 5, as he looked at his men, he's talked about himself. Now he's looking at his men and he says, they looked unto him. These men, they looked unto him. They looked up at God. And notice what he says there in verse 5. He says, they looked at him and they were lightened. You know what that word means, to be lightened? That means to be, in essence, brightened or to be cheerful or to receive joy. So whenever they looked at God, when they began to look up at him from this cave that they were in, when, we, when they looked at him, it's almost like their countenance changed, their spirit changed, because where you look makes a difference. Where you look makes a difference. And here they were, they were in this cave, they were in this dark place. The Bible says, David says, they looked unto him, and when they looked unto him, they lightened their face, in essence, just kind of brightened up, their countenance changed, and they saw one thing that they maybe perhaps didn't see before. And you know what that was? Hope. Hope. Remember whenever... The Apostle Paul, when he was out on the ship and they hadn't seen, the Bible says he hadn't seen the sun and stars in many days. And while they were out there, he said, he said that all hope that we should be saved was lost. Sometimes we feel that way. And we get down in these caves and we get down in these caves and we got people chasing us and we start acting out of character, doing everything we can, uh, doing everything we can to save our life. But in the midst of that, God's providing in the midst of all that, God's working and in the midst of it. And then he began to praise God and thank God for, for God helping him. But he says, you know what? In the midst of it all, we looked, they looked unto him. And when they looked unto him, they lightened, they lightened. They were in essence made cheerful. They were brightened in their spirit. They looked unto him and were lightened. And watch this now. And he says, and their faces were not ashamed. Listen, they weren't ashamed of who they looked to. They weren't ashamed of where their joy came from. They weren't ashamed about who they served. They looked unto him and the Lord was guiding them, directing them, changing their life. And as they were looking unto him, they were not ashamed about who they followed. They were not ashamed about who they looked at. As we continue on, we get down to verse 6. 
He then begins to look at himself again. Notice what he says in verse 6. He gets real personal. There in verse 6 he says, This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Man, what a great verse for us to memorize in our hearts. There in verse 6 he says, This poor man, when he says this, he's talking about himself. He's talking about himself personally. He's, he's doing a personal examination of what God did for him. He's looking at, he's looking at himself. He, he's seeing his own condition. He says, this man right here, and this man right here is what? He says, this man right here is poor. That's his condition. He was a poor man. This poor man. This poor man did what? See, his, him being poor, and I'm not talking about monetary value. I'm not talking about that he didn't have the money in his pocket. He was poor in many ways. He felt that he was. And when he said, this poor man cried, see, the crying was a result of his condition. And so it began to, as pressure was applied to his life, and as stress was applied to his life, and as the situations around him were applied to his life, he couldn't help but to, but to cry. That's what happens in our life. Whenever we have pressure applied to our life, it's kind of like, what happens if you squeeze a grape? What happens if you squeeze a tomato? Well, you ain't going to put too much pressure on it before it does what? Before it just splits open. And then, and then all the juice inside just starts running out. Listen, it don't matter how much, listen, so anything can only take but so much before it begins to crack, before it begins to break. And here he is, he says, this poor man cried. He, under, he saw his condition, and that this poor man, he was weak. He was weak, and he says, this poor man, this poor man right here, he says, he says, I cried out. He was under so much pressure and so much stress. Now he began to cry out, and he says there in verse 6, when he cried out, he says, the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Because our God is a present help in time of trouble. And God says, cast all you care upon him, for he careth for you. How many of you ever felt like he was in some troubles? And David felt like he was in some troubles. He was in a stressful situation. And here he is in this verse 6. As he's looking at his own self, he says, this poor man, he cried, this poor man cried, the Lord heard him. Listen, it don't matter how poor you get. It don't matter what you think about yourself. Man, it, 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 none of that makes it. Listen, God can hear you. It don't matter how far down you get. God can hear you. God knows where you are. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so no matter how far down in the depths of sin a man may go, God can still reach a man because his hand is not shortened that he cannot save. And so the Bible shows us here. He says, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. And so he's thinking about that moment where there he was. He was about to lose his own life. But then he began to, in essence, as he's crying out to the Lord, God delivered him. And, and, he, and God saved him. Not just this time, but other times before that. Other times before that. There in verse 6. And saved him out of all of his troubles. Not just a few. Not just some. But the Bible says here, all of them. Aren't you glad that it don't matter what kind of trouble you're in, that God can help you in every single situation? It don't matter what trouble it is. It don't matter how big, how small. None of that makes any difference. Listen, we have a God that can, that can help us in every single thing that we're going through in life. And the Bible says there that he helped me, that he helped him in all of his troubles. This poor man. 
there in verse 7, he says, The angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him. Man, I tell you what, it sure is good to know that we had a, a God in heaven that not only says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee, but encamps round about his people. Man, how more, how more fortified can you get than that? How much more strength can you find? If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. And so, and, and so he says, here we are. And when he says, we have God, in essence, encamping round about us. In other words, God is our fortress. He is, he, is our, he is our shield. He is our wall that nobody can pass. What a hedge. God built around him. He says, the angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him. And notice this, he says it again, and delivers them. Oh, taste and see, there in verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, when you get to verse 8, what is he desiring? He says, taste and see. In other words, give God a chance and see how good he is. He spent all this time giving this great testimony about the power of God and the authority of God and the protection of God and the love of God, the deliverance of God, the help of God. He's done all this, all this, uh, all this time explaining to everyone about what God can do and what he is. And then there in the text he says, what I want you to do is to give him a chance. You just take a little bit. Now, if you just taste something. You ever had somebody say, oh, we'll just taste this. And so they give it to you and you taste it. He says, listen, you just give God a chance. You just taste the Lord, and I promise you. You ever heard somebody say, you just take a bite out of this, you're going to like it. Well, that's what I'm trying to get you to see tonight. You just take a little bit of the Lord, and I promise you, you're going to like him. Amen. You're going to like him. There ain't no way you'd ever take him and set him on the shelf. He says, notice he says, taste and see. There in verse 8, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because after you taste it, you want to see more. There in the text, he says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So after we partake in the Lord, after you taste the Lord, after you allow him to have an opportunity to come into your life and to help you to be your Savior if you're not saved or to come into your life and, and be the God of your life, when we allow him to take this residence up in our home and in our life, he says, oh, Taste and see how good he is. The Lord will bless him at all times. We'll magnify him in our life. Oh, just taste and see how good he is. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. As we finish off with verse 9, he says, Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints. For there is no want to them that fear him. So there in verse 9 he says, There's nothing you will lack when you come to him. There in verse 9, Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want. In other words, when you come to the Lord and you rely on him for all that you need, you will find that when you come to him, when you taste him, when you see that the Lord is good, when you see how good he is, how faithful he is, you will see 
that there is nothing else that you need but him. Fear him, all you saints. Those that do, the Bible says, there is no want to them that fear him. So when we think about what David was going through in his life, how far down I guess he would have gotten and where he was at here in this cave with these men and how he had gotten himself in this place where he was acting out of character because he was fearful. But he was also just very thankful that God provided him a place to go. He didn't complain about the cave. He rejoiced over it. It was either the cave or a tomb. Take your pick. He chose, God gave him the cave. It wasn't the castle, but he praised God for the cave. Hey, listen, sometimes I think we just need to praise God for the cave. We want to be in the castle, yes, but man, praise God for the cave because it's better than the tomb. So praise God for the cave. He says, let us do this. Let us magnify him. Let us make much of him in our life. And for all of those that don't know what I'm talking about, just taste and see him. Just give God a chance and see what he can do for your life. Let God move and work in your heart. Let God move and work in your family. Let God move and work in your church, in your community. And just just see what God can do. The difference that he can make. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for this opportunity to be here once again just to praise you about how good you are. Lord, before we dismiss, I just wanted to, just to thank you for your goodness for sending your son, the Lord Jesus, to die for us. And God, from, for bringing us from one place to another, God, for changing our eternal destinies, for forgiveness of all of our sin. And Lord, you said in your word, you told us many times over about how we can have eternal life. But God, you said in your word that you sent your only begotten Son into this world not to condemn this world, but that the world through him might be saved. Lord, I'm thankful that as a man standing here in this pulpit tonight, I know I'm saved and know I'm on my way to heaven. But there's a lot of folks out here in this world don't have that assurance. Or they just don't know how to get to heaven. But Lord, you said in your word, For God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If there's one or maybe more here tonight that don't know you as their personal Savior, I pray God tonight would be the night that they get saved. Or the night that they would get that assurance that they need as a piano plays and we examine our own self just like David did. And he looked at himself and he said, This poor man. It could be that as you sit here tonight, you're not sure about your own salvation. You, like David, have had some pretty rough times. Sometimes in your life, you may feel like, just like David, you've been on the run some. Things haven't been easy. Things have been difficult. And you found yourself going from one place to another, just like David did. But God gave David a place of refuge, a place where he can go. Where he could pray, 
where he can spend some time with him. And God gave David a place where he can get alone. Understand this. Sometimes we can get alone better with God in the cave than we can in the castle. Because oftentimes there's too much going on in the castle. And God, sometimes God needs to get our attention. And he allows us a place to go. And in this cave where David was at, he got along with God. And while he got along with God, he began to magnify the Lord. He began to praise Him, thank Him. You're sitting here tonight and you're saying, you know what, preacher, life's been kind of rough. Things have been kind of difficult. I'm not in the castle tonight, but I'm praising God in the cave this evening. I'm thankful that He gave me this place where I can come. Where I can just praise His name. And like David, that's what I'm doing tonight. You could be here this evening. You don't know Christ as your personal Savior. There's no greater opportunity than to know Christ than you have right now. If you're sitting here tonight and you don't know if you're saved, you need to get that worked out before you walk out those doors. No man's guaranteed the next second, the next hour, the next day. Today is the day of salvation. Today, if you'll hear His voice, harden not your hearts. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, or you're not sure if you're saved, Nobody's looking but me and God. Would you just slip your hand up so I can see you? Anybody like that anywhere? I'm not saved. I want to get saved. I want to know without a shadow of a doubt. I don't just want to think. I don't just want to hope. But I want to know. The Lord Jesus said himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. You know what that means? That means there's no way to heaven except through him. It's not any good works you're going to make yourself to heaven. It's not in rituals that you're going to make it to heaven. It's not in trying to be a good person you're going to make it to heaven. It's not being a part of a certain church where you're going to make it to heaven. It's not having your name on the church roll. It's not about how much money that you give. It's not about how nice you are to everybody else. It's not about who mom and daddy is and what they've done. Or grandma and grandpa. But you have to personally do business with God. You have to ask yourself tonight, do I know I'm on the way to heaven? Do I know that I'm saved? Have I trusted in Him and only Him? Jesus, plus nothing, minus nothing. One more time, if you're here tonight and you don't know if you're saved, Would you just slip your hand up so I can see you? Anybody here tonight? Preacher, I'm not saved, but I sure want to know more about Christ. Maybe it is that this evening you just want to magnify God, just thank Him for how good He's been. You can remember those times when you've been in those caves. You can remember those times when things have been difficult. And you're just praising Him and thanking Him tonight for how good He's been.
Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's be dismissed in prayer tonight.